All right, welcome back everyone to the Cancel for Maintenance podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we are a show that takes a behind the scenes look into the gritty, non-glamorous life of aviation maintenance. We share some laughs, impart some wisdom, all in hopes of giving you that split seconds relief in your day that can hopefully prevent a mishap. I am your co-host Six. I'm MVP. And our third host Shoreline is here in the studio with us, silently in the back, monitoring our audio, making sure our faces stay fit for radio. So we've put out a post on our social media outlets like Facebook and Instagram, uh, asking everyone out there, what are your top five things every aircraft mechanic should know? And what's amazing about it is many of the answers had similar, if not identical items. And some of them we never knew or we didn't know it was really that prominent. And so for this episode, we'll share some of those common answers, uh, some of those unique ones, and then give our feedback to most of them, like kind of like our thoughts and feelings on it. Uh, so with that said, uh, let's probably start with the one that, that blew our mind probably more so than others. <laughs> and that is uh, being able to know where to find your FTN number, uh, Fox Tango November. So uh, FTN stands for FAA tracking number. And this is more or less like an, an, uh, a record, a number of record uh, where the FAA can track your training and testing and whatnot. And this applies to pretty much everybody. If you're going for some type of an airman cert or aircraft maintenance cert, it's going to run, it, you're going to get assigned an FTN. Now, for uh, this came about about 2020 ish is when they really started to implement this system. And there's a different website which associates to this FTN. It's called AIACRA. Um, <clears throat> We'll put a link in the in the show notes so you guys can figure out what that is. So, but what this basically means is if you're from January of 2020 onwards, if you're gonna take an exam or take a a uh, practical test for whatever type of airman cert through the FAA, you would register to this IACRA website for the exams, and then you will get assigned an FTN or a tracking number. Now. Now, what the interesting part, which kind of blew our minds, was even if you did not use this IACRA system, or if you got your AMP certificate or Airman cert prior to January of 2020, you still technically have an FTN. <laughs> and it was like, huh, really? And we actually did this ourselves prior to the show. Like, oh, I wonder what our FTN is. <laughs> it, and and sure enough, there it was. And there it was. Now, the process might seem a little confusing. Um, and it's mostly just because, like, um, it, it, when you initially start doing the application, it's almost like you're starting it brand new, even though you already done it. And uh, as MVP and I can attest, like, once you've kind of go past that stage and go to the next one, it asks right off the bat, like, hey, what's your certificate number? Be it airframes, power plants, uh, pilot, whatever. And you yourself, if you've never used this site, you may you you do actually, in fact, have an FTN. <laughs> so that, that was a big mind blow for us. And like, I didn't even know this was a thing. <laughs> yeah, so I think like from this point forward, if you go and get any additional certifications or whatever the, you know, your IA, for example, um, I think you will have to get 
uh, or have to use your FTN when you go and do your test. Right. Or likewise, say if you're an aircraft <clears throat> mechanic right now and you want to get your private pilot's license or something like that, it would be the same, same process. And you would all, you would jam in whatever certificates you have issued to you already. And, and it says it um, right off the bat in that section that if you don't have one, then just skip over to the next step. So for those of us who do have it or do have certificates issued to us by the FAA, just throw, jam it into that one uh, section and then drive on. And you do, in fact, have an FTN. It exists. If you have an air, uh, any type of FAA certificate, you have an FTN, uh, regardless if you've used that website or not for your testing. So fun fact, blew, blew our minds. Did not know that. <laughs> um, so uh, next one is uh, don't be afraid to ask questions. Uh, the only thing that you can accomplish by staying silent is staying ignorant. 100% true. <laughs> um, I think for us, we've said it through many episodes. Like if you don't know anything, if you don't know what's up, ask somebody like the only dumb question is the one not asked. So yeah, know this, you're going to get a, a sarcastic answer. Uh, it's just the nature of who we are as a, as an industry and as a, a specialty. But, but you'll get a truthful answer. It'll just be laced in, in sarcasm. Yes, you definitely take that with a grain of salt. Like that's that's just how we are. As MVP said, like, and, and and it really just depends on the tone sometimes, right? Like the tone, the time of day, like how spent you are. Just just know it, it's it's probably gonna happen. But again, like we said, like the only dumb question is the one not asked. And for any answer for an unasked question is always gonna be no. So. Uh, better to sound dumb than to be dumb and do dumb things, if that makes any sort of sense. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, this one's actually a common one that that we've gotten across the board is at the bare minimum, know where and how to locate information, <laughs> uh, i.e. Uh, use the manuals, know where to find the FAR, manufacturing documentation, and so forth. Oh, well, that's my. actually something I've been dealing with in my... Uh my current position at work, I, you know, talking about addressing some culture issues. And one of those things addressing is, is asking the entirety of the workforce up and down the chain. Hey, do you know where to find the, the process procedures you're working to the released engineering? Do you, do you know where to get that? Uh, no, I just do what my lead tells me. Eh, that's not, that's not the best answer. You should be able to know. Uh, you should really know to what standards you're working to and to what processes you're supposed to be following. Yes, the maintenance manual, but even beyond the maintenance manual, you know, if you're processing parts or whatever else you got to do within your, your uh, hangar, I mean, there's probably a, a, a flow of operations to that and forms to fill out and whatever else. So you should really know and, and know where to go. And I'm not telling you to memorize that's why in this industry, we, everything is written down. And that's why we're, everybody's so uh, uh, structured around a written process, because if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. So you should, you know, not asking to memorize everything, but you should have a, a good general understanding of what it is you're supposed to be doing. And again, if you can't memorize it, not asking you to, but you should know where to go to reference it. 
Absolutely. Yes. And again, like a lot of regulations and procedures and whatnot, they change depending on like the frequency of the, of that process or system or whatnot. So sometimes like whatever system or process you're working to, it may seem relevant to the last time you took a look at it, but that might, that can might've got kicked down the road. How many revisions later? And the stuff that you are holding true is probably obsolete or illegal. <laughs> so it's, it's right. definitely well. And, and so there needs to be back to the processes, right? Talking about obsolete data. It's so funny because I was just reading, reading on, in on this today with the AS9100 and, and you have to, as part of your quality management plan, you have to have uh, or quality management system. You have to have uh, a way of how to control obsolete data. Yes. Right. Yeah. You don't delete. You don't just throw it away. You delete it and delete it. You archive it in the historical records, but that has to be controlled by a certain group, so nobody can just go in there. It's it's just kept for historical records, and then the most current revision is what everybody has access to. And again, right? Revisions happen all the time with these processes, but I can tell you, I don't think it's very. They're very well. Uh, disseminated out to the masses uh usually it's one of those or some go go be reading through and go hey did you guys know that this changed or did you know we don't have to do this anymore or hey guys uh we weren't doing this before and now we have to and then it's like word of mouth but really need to come up with a better notification system to say hey everybody this is what has changed now i will say in my current uh, area of operation, there's an there's like a uh, an all an all hands email that comes out, and it's it's from the uh, what we call the librarians, and and basically we we say they say hey uh, this you know this procedure's been updated the most current revision you can locate it here, uh, but that takes time and effort on the individuals right so they're notifying you so we can say you didn't know but you have to take the time to go in and, and read those changes and at the front of the pr- procedure you're like well, what changed well there's a change record typically at the front of all these processes so you can quick reference there to see what was added or deleted in this most current revision and then and then go through and read those sections those paragraphs and just say hey does any of this affect me you know and then once you learn that Tell your tell your coworkers, you know, yeah. just get the word out there, and really, you know, as maintenance leaders, um, we should be telling our our people on the floor, right from the director of maintenance on down, say, hey, everybody, this updated, uh, you know, do a short briefing on it, right? Talk about it at your at your morning maintenance meeting. Hey guys, this uh, procedure dropped yesterday. The newest revision. Uh, here's what changed. So. When you go and do these jobs, make sure you're doing this now and filling out this form. Yes, yeah. exactly. Just things uh, like that. It's just it's just the open lines of communication, right? Big ones. And, and uh, I'm going to point out uh, one that one of our patrons actually put out. Uh, on top of the knowing how, where, and when to use uh, your tech data, uh, he mentions uh, FAR 43.9, which is you know content form disposition of maintenance pretty much like how to maintain records and how to do maintenance entries. 
this is a big deal because we've argued this through and through as to what kind of information needs to be on on a maintenance log or what kind of information needs to be present you know, like bare minimum stuff, right? And, and some organizations vary from one to the next. Like some can just be like remove panel, install panel. If that if that's the, as long as you're meeting the bare minimums of your organization or your outfit, by all means. But there are regulations that talk about what exactly needs to be in a logbook at the bare minimum. And then likewise, like uh, what sort of operations are you allowed to run uh, once the documentation has been, signed off and air quotes sealed um so again with the tech data stuff we can't stress this enough like know how when and where to utilize these data because especially with aviation with the amount of revisions we go through some more than others we admit <laughs> i'll admit some are way more than others but you, you don't want to be the one caught with your, with your pants on your ankles when the changes happen and you're using old obsolete information and surprise a freaking audit comes through and there goes your license because yeah and the excuse of i don't know doesn't fly yes and you might go i didn't know this new information but these these manuals changed and whoever's doing your audit's gonna go okay you're not exempt from this but now we're gonna dig a little bit further hey why isn't there a notification system who's in charge of this and then so not only are you going down, but you know, there's probably going to be a few other entities that go down as well. Oh, yes. And we kind of mentioned this a little bit with the owner-produced parts. This is probably like one of the bigger culprits in the matter where like they don't care that the part is kind of sort of funky. If you're the one working on it, if you're the one installing it, if you're the one signing it off, you're technically the one who gives it the the flight authority to do what it does even though it's kind of like it's kind of shady but if you sign that off by for whatever means it's it's your it's your uh, neck on the line not whoever gave it to you so again with the whole tech data thing uh this is actually an interesting uh this next uh comment was actually is pretty interesting because it kind of falls in line with mep's heart and soul here uh it's for the love of God, work on your handwriting. <laughs> oh man, I tell you, and I got to tell you, I have I have Spawn, who have uh, he he's got one of my Spawn has de deplorable handwriting, and every time I, I help him with his homework, I make it a point to say it, and it's it's to the point now where I'll sit down and be like, "Can you help me with this?" And I'll look at it and goes, "Yes, my handwriting's terrible. You don't have to say anything." And I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." Uh, and so we'll go through the, all the homework and at the end, I'm like, all right, here we're, you, you understand now? Yeah, I understand. And your handwriting sucks. And then I get up and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's but, another one I would but, say along with the handwriting. It's, it's, it's a dying, it's a dying art. Yes. You know, I, I think I saw some, something where, you know, in the state, which we reside, uh, they just introduced cursive handwriting back into the curriculum. Right. But handwriting in general in this digital age, and look, how many of us, even in aviation anymore, really write anything down with our electronic logbooks and forms and everything else? Everything's digitized. Right. So handwriting is typically only when you're out there and you're underneath the jet and you're writing down a part number so you can, on your notepad, so you can walk back inside and order it. Right. But that's about the extent of it. So handwriting doesn't have to be super neat, but I'm telling you, there's still some 
forms that are floating around out there with these different vent operators and you still have to handwrite the work you're doing so for the love of god please just take your time with it yes because because if i can't read it i don't know what you did and let's say there was a, a an incident with the aircraft and you know you worked on it in van nuys and i'm picking it up in teeterboro new jersey and i'm trying to figure out this thing broke well let me go back and see well, I can make out the word aileron, and aileron broke, but I can't tell what the hell else he did. So it just turns into this whole investigative pile. But it also, it also, uh, to me, and this is just me being a little bit judgy and condescending, but to me, your handwriting is a reflection of how you perform your work, right? And, yep. and don't get me wrong. I've worked with some outstanding mechanics who didn't have the best of handwriting, right? But they were masters of the trade. But I worked with them, so I knew their 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 skill set. But again, if I if I'm working in Teterboro, New Jersey, and there's somebody working in Van Nuys, California, and I've I've never met the person in my life, but we work on the same jets because this one operator floats back and forth between. And I see that that person's name all the time, but it's just deplorable handwriting. I just associate them with crap work, mm. uh, you know. And, and I'm here to tell you, the operator sees it that way too. The maintenance control, whenever you're submitting forms for review and all that to get your jet released for flight, uh, you're being judged by maintenance control too. And I'm telling you, even though you, if you're a good mechanic, they see that terrible handwriting. Over time, they're going to try to figure out if there's somebody else out there that can do the job over you. Now, I know that's talking almost strictly to the to the corporate jet realm, but it happens. It happens. Like, oh, don't don't call that. Don't call up that group. They're going to have so and so out there. And, you know, we've never met him, but the hand, but but MVP's handwriting is just atrocious. So we don't want to hire him again. Let's find let's find somebody else. Right. Uh, I would also. I would also say with the handwriting piece is at the very least, at least clean your hands before you write, you know? Uh, yeah. I, I've seen many uh, forms where it just looks like someone just like took a baby and smeared their dirty diaper all over it. You know, <laughs> like, uh, I, I, is it an A? Is it a zero? Is it grease poop? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> what is this, right? It just looks like a hot mess. Like this belongs in a toilet. That's how some of the forms I've seen look. And so on top of yeah, like who's, just... Who's writing with an old fountain pen and it exploded? Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> who's still writing with a fountain pen? Right. And it's uh, at the very least, man. Like if you're handwriting blows, just take your time and, and please just like clean your hands or like find somebody who is really good at writing or is really fast at writing and just let them do it. You know, maybe, maybe one of the senior guys who's like, uh, he's really knowledgeable. He or she's really knowledgeable at the forums with their, you know, a little bit, things don't bend and twist as they do anymore. So like, Hey man, like, you know, for the safety of you, maybe we should just let you do the forums, you know, stuff like that. Not saying put them out of a job, but you know, they're, they're look like they're hurting. Then, no, don't force them to do like above and beyond stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know in some of my old deploying days, we had a, actually a position there where they, that person's sole job, and they were one of the mechanics, but 
and they would help work on aircraft from time to time, but their primary purpose was strictly forms. And that's all they did. Anything from parts processing and, and writing forms and taking parts tags and filling out things or whatever else. Uh, the, the official title for that position was called the scribe and the unofficial was called the mecretary, you know, um, <laughs> I forever love that term, man. <laughs> yeah. But, but it was a crucial part of the job because while everybody else is hands on turning wrenches, this, this person was grinding out the paperwork. So by time maintenance was done, forms were done and we were released and ready to rock and roll. Yes. You know, um, and, and it wasn't divided attention, you know? Right. Uh, this, this next one here, it kind of runs in line with, uh, know when and how to use the tech data. It's, uh, don't let, uh, people pressure you into signing off a job. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, there's other ones that sound similar to this. Like, um, if it sounds shady, don't do it. Um, if, if, uh, the company is like telling you to sign something off for the sake of schedule. Don't do it. It's more or less the same thing. Like if you're being pressured into signing something off and you're not the one who did the job or you're signing something, you're being told to sign something off when you know it's not ready. That's a clear sign that no, absolutely not. And how you would back this up is by the tech data, which is why I said it's kind of related because if the tech data says it's wrong and here's person X trying to say something different, unless that person wrote that manual, I'm pretty sure that's not like the way to go. <laughs> and we've talked about this subject on many different episodes in the past where uh, people uh, think only dollars and sk- schedules and dollars, right? High revenue flights, high value mission, et cetera, et cetera. Now, depending on your situation and what I mean by depending, it's like, it's got to be real dire stuff. Like this has to fly or people will die. Right. Kind of thing in that situation. Got it. Right. But for 99% of the stuff, if it sounds shady, looks shady or smells shady, it's probably shady, <laughs> you know? And, uh, if this is something where, you don't feel comfortable signing off on hey, it's your it's your license that's on the line like the worst the worst someone can do is like uh administrative stuff right against you and that's something you don't want on your head should something do happen or something do go wrong is for your name to be blasted on that for the last one to certify that aircraft or that asset whatever the case may be so yeah most definitely uh don't don't give in to that kind of pressure, and you'll most likely get turned into the bad guy. Like, oh, he's a, he or she is just being that individual who just doesn't want to be a team player or some crazy iteration of that, right? They'll they'll try to play on on your morals, saying that you're the one that's not uh, playing the game or whatever the case may be, and they'll they'll resort to some tactics like that. So, but you know, if you know, if you know the tech, the information, if you know the regulations, if you know the rules and you're 100% sticking uh, to it, like, like no, like open to interpretation kind of thing, then you're, then you're good to go. And that'd be a sound hill to plant your feet on. That's at least my opinion on it. (laughs) So when it comes to signing off forms and, and somebody trying to get you to sign off some shady work, just stand your ground with them. Don't uh, 
don't give in because nine times out of ten, uh, it is shady and they know it, which is why they're getting you to do it so they can be exempt from it, uh, any repercussions. But, you know, just, just tell them, like, no, if it's so important and has to get signed off now, sign it off. Oh, well, I'm going to be the second signature or whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, then good. Uh, go find somebody else to be the first. And they either will, or they'll be, or you'll say, "No, nah, you got to fix all these things before I'll sign it." And so they'll either find another stool pigeon, or they'll, uh, uh, or they'll just do it the right way. Yeah, no kidding. Again, with the whole pressure thing, like as MVP stated, I'm uh, just gonna say it like one last time: like if there's any hill to die on, it's gonna be that. And just as long as you're yourself you're in the right you you're following the rules you're following the regulations on all the policies and there's not like some overriding waiver authority that this person's trying to pitch to you again make sure it's in writing and if that doesn't exist it doesn't get signed off it's it's your name not theirs on that plane so uh this next one um this is um it says uh do it because you love it not because you think you want to get rich I, w- I will wholeheartedly agree because um, aviation in general, no matter what specialty, it's it's very trying. <laughs> it's very, very trying. And there's a, there's a lot of misconception we've heard from some people who want to get into it. Like, it seems like a, th- a fun ride. It, it's a way to get rich and lazy da. In, in some cases, depending on what oh, outfit who you said this, Who said you're going to get rich? Who told you that? <laughs> right. I mean, maybe, maybe like, uh, relative to what you're making now, it might be look like you're getting rich. But I'll tell you, like, you're making big bucks because you're working big, uh, big time hours. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Even, oh yeah. Like, uh, we've I've heard some guys, man, like who walk away with like 150 to upwards 180k, uh, on a on a year which is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But you know, like you hear some of their overtime hours that they racked up throughout that year, like upwards of 500 to 800 hours. I don't even know that's even possible, but some hours, some OT yeah, I mean, I mean, they're living on the road, right? We've had conversations about that. Uh, they were living on the road or out of country. And, um, you know, and, and if, and there was a time where that was me, uh, uh, wasn't making that kind of money, but I was definitely gone uh, a lot. So, you know, uh, aviation's, aviation's, you know, it's kind of one of the reasons I got into it is because I, I really like aviation. And I wanted to fly, but flying wasn't really an option for me. So I got into the, to the maintenance side of it. And then uh, I wanted to travel. And at least when I got into it, the opportunities to travel were just, very abundant and so i took advantage of that for all it was worth until i decided i didn't want to do that anymore and now i i still travel i'm actually sitting in a hotel room right now hey but (laughs) i don't go away for as long as i used to and and definitely not uh this the pace that i was either you know it's like once or twice a year now for a week or two at a time versus being gone nine months out of the year you know right and and again, like this kind of hustle, like you got to have an affinity for it. You got to love what you do. 
Like if you love everything about airplanes, if you love everything about aviation, you love the community you're with, this is the place for you. Because if it's not in that fashion, it's going to wear you thin real fast, real fast. Uh, there's a bunch of people we've known that, you know, they come in, they're all starry eyed. They, they think it's like a grand adventure and then they're, they're not absorbing the idea of how much you're going to work and they get slammed with it. And then they're just like turned off completely. They, 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 they switch off, they go do something completely different, which kudos to them. And if this, if, you know, like we don't want to force you into making this a habit where you have to just kind of swallow it, you know, like swallow the the suffering and just kind of power through it without liking your job, because that's just going to lead to more negativity, more repercussions, more uh, near misses uh, in the long run. Yeah. yeah. And I think most of us who are in this, we do it because we like working with tight tolerances, right? Yes. Okay. We, we don't have such a wide band, uh, you know, uh, of, uh, point, uh, point one to point, you know, or to 2.0, we, we're like at a point one to a point three, uh, you know, range for tolerances. And then, and then also a, a kind of a hectic schedule. Um, we're always under the gun to get work done, but, to be within those tight tolerances, right? And there's just a whole other level to the type of work we do over, you know, auto mechanics or, or, or maritime or whatever. And I'm not saying they don't have tolerances to work into, but the, the risk of what we do is exponentially higher. A boat breaks down. All right. It just becomes a rowboat. Um, you know, it's a, gross dramatization of of that but you get what i'm saying right you're just floating it you're just floating at that point unless you got a breach in the hole but uh and for a car you pull over right uh but but for a plane uh it's it's a whole different game you know yeah you can dead stick them in and you can emergency land and all that stuff but the (laughs) again the risk of that and the uh success rates are 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 those windows are just as tight as the tolerances to which we work in. Absolutely. Uh, this next one kind of goes in line with uh, the last comment. It goes, uh, own up to your mistakes. Uh, tell on yourself. Uh, everyone messes up, but the people that hide it can't be trusted. This is pure facts. <laughs> uh, we all make mistakes. 100%. We we all make mistakes. It's, it's going to happen one way or another, however big, however small, it's going to happen the worst thing you can do about it is hide it because you're going to get found out one way or another. You're going to get found out whether it be someone like caught you in the act or someone kind of put two and two together or an investigation dug you up, whatever the case may be, it's going to come to light. And if it doesn't happen now, it's going to get kicked down the can or kicked down the street a lot later. And it's going to be worse for you. So, well, that's what I always tell some junior mechanics. Look, we all we're human. We're going to make mistakes. Um, and to me, you know, uh, even, even in, in a QA realm, people come, Oh, Hey man, we messed up. All right. Well, can you fix it? Yeah. We're, we're fixing it right now. Then it's not, then it's not, not that serious. Right. You know, did anybody get hurt? Did the, did the asset get hurt in the process? No, no, no. We just, 
we just uh, the drill bit slipped and we kind of gouged us, but we're within tolerances and we can blend blend the scratches. Um, all right, easy enough. Then that's why those that's why those procedures exist because it, it's sort of expected. No big deal. Now versus the uh, oh, I gouged up this uh, piece of sheet metal and I decided to hide it under some RTV or whatever, and then and then. Six months down the road, I find, you know, we find a stress, a stress fracture in that area. And, oh, it's a, it's a structural, uh, part. So now we got to down the aircraft and it's going to take two months to draw out all the rivets and replace that, whatever that, 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 you know, a bulkhead or some shit. Yeah. Again, just, just way over, over dramatizing the, the issue, but. The fact of the matter is, bring it up now. Tell me now. We're mistakes. Tell me now. If I find out six months from now, it's it's going to be far worse for you. Yes, you know, most definitely. To the point where, to the point where I'll probably just go to the DOM and say, get rid of them, because now I, I because I can't, like six said, I can't trust you anymore. Mm-hmm. Once I can't trust you, I don't have any use for you. There's no reason for you to be here. Yep. You know, oh, I can take out the garbage. Can you? I, I don't. I don't know if you can. If you're even capable of that, um, you know the, the song by Tyler Childers. It, it says it takes twice as long to build the bridges you burn, and the trust in the workplace, especially the aviation shop, is uh, once it's gone, it's 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 near next to impossible to get that back to build that reputation back. Absolutely, and uh, going on trust. This that. I love how these comments, they kind of build on each other and they're inside, They're all sequential, which is crazy. Um, this one goes, uh, no one knows everything. Uh, I've never, never trust a mechanic that says, uh, uh, or a mechanic that never says, I don't know, can't be trusted. And this, and this other, and it kind of goes on the caveat that says communication in big bold letters. <laughs> yeah. Commun- communication is huge. And if you haven't, if you haven't kind of caught that message, uh, just from us, like having giving our feedback, communication is like the single most important thing. Uh, I I remember this one saying uh, someone mentioned to me uh, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. <laughs> That's mind blown. Yeah, and, and I'm sure we've all worked for people who say, "Hey, hey, boss, I'd like to bring this up again." Oh, we've already talked about it. Uh, well. So it's already taken care of. Well, it's not taken. So I used to just accept that for a word, but I actually, I don't know why it just happened to me at work last week. And I was talking to my leadership about something. I say, Hey, uh, guys, I want to bring something up to you. And they're like, Oh yeah, we're well aware you are. And I kind of, like, cause I got cut off in my sentence. So maybe that's what, that's what set my mind in motion with this, but kind of cut me off. Say, yeah, we're tracking. We're already aware of that you are. Yeah, yeah, we're already making steps. What are those steps? What do we do? So I just started asking questions. I said, you, you haven't resolved it or, you know, or you're not in the path of resolution if I'm not aware of it. I said, what do you mean? I said, you guys were aware of this, this problem and you told nobody. So for us, the problem still exists, right? And nothing's been done. So we're, we're doing our part to communicate. You haven't done yours. Yes. You know, and, uh, oh, yeah, I guess we could get a little better communication. Yeah, remember that next time you're crying at me about something. 
Right. Oh, why didn't you tell me this? Oh, because I already took care of it. Well, you still have to tell me. Yeah. Well, well I'm just playing by your both rules. Ways. <laughs> yeah, it just it goes both ways, you know. <laughs> exactly. And it, it's even and as MVP said, like even if it's already been talked about, it's it's better to repeat an issue than to assume that it's already happened, right? That's yeah. The the illusion that it has taken place. That's probably like one of the, the single most uh triggering factor in any type of issue is the fact that people assume that that communication has taken place. Uh, I will caveat to saying this is like, uh, don't interject your personal feelings into stuff that you don't know. Like if, if you are unsure or the facts aren't hundred percent there, try to try to keep your personal opinions out of the mix. Great. Because all it does is just going to perpetuate the misinformation. It's going to, communicate the wrong thing across the board and then everyone's acting upon stuff that wasn't true to begin with you know what i mean that kind of goes into yeah, that. And, and, and a way to catch that is you'll hear people say because you'll you'll hear somebody say no you're not doing this right and you have to do this and this that and the other but if you're level-headed enough and you know your procedures and you know your processes and your data because you you're stayed up to date with it and you can go well that's weird because the process is this and they said, yeah, but this, that, and the other. Well, the process doesn't state that. It states this. Where are you getting your information from? And they go, and you hear them, they'll, they'll catch, they won't catch themselves. They'll go, well, I think, and you're like, ah, you're interjecting your own personal thoughts on how you think this should go. And you're trying to make that as law, but it's not written down anywhere. So guess what? Well, even if their ideas are good, great. Why don't you go update the process then? Meanwhile, we're going to work to this. That's a good idea. You just need to pull the document out and send it through another revision. Yep. Uh, and again, nine times out of 10, that's not going to happen because that's more work for that individual. They're just not going to take the time to do it. Yep. What they want to do is interject in a conversation and I'm talking louder than you, so I'm right. Their own personal uh, thoughts and opinions on how, how things should go. Absolutely, yes. Prime example. I was going to say the exact same thing. You took my thunder, but... I'm glad we're driving. No, no, I'm glad we're driving on the same mind. Like, uh, you you'll notice this as you're in the in, as an in the industry. Like, um, once you start holding yourself to a high standard and you expect that from other people, you start your mind start driving together uh, unconsciously. It just it starts like following a similar rhythm, and then once you're actually in that rhythm, you're like you're open minded. You're you're being able to non verbally communicate. If that that's if there's any that's one way to put it. Right. So I, lo I love that. Uh, let's. Okay. So a lot of the, a lot of ones are all relatively the same. This last one here, uh, we'll do this to kind of cap things off. It's one of the things that we just we subliminally do, but we consciously don't try to seek it out. Uh, it's uh, build your tribe. And what this comment means is like nothing makes life more difficult than surrounding yourself with people who have very different uh, goals compared to you. And aviation has many walks of life, many different backgrounds, many different mindsets and goals. And there's nothing that really throws you into a corner and isolates you than to be with people who have completely different goals than you do. And they try to kind of like push that as law. You know what I mean? So surrounding yourself with ones who have uh, like-minded uh, 
aspirations for themselves, it kind of like propels you into wanting to do more of that. If that makes any sort of sense. It's no, you're right. It's, uh, it's the power of, uh, positive thinking. Um, you know, and if you're around negativity all day, it just infects you. Yes. It just infects you. Uh, and it starts taking you down a little bit. And even though you might be aware of, you know, no workplace is perfect and, and, but you're aware of it, but you know, you, you know how to compartmentalize and separate that emotion from your current past. But there's some people that can't and that's all they do. And the next thing you know, and you're, and, and I'll say this, especially when you're around people for day in and day out for months and months on end, the same people, and it's the same churning conversation. It just starts bleeding into your brain mm-hmm. and just starts infecting you. And then, eventually you wake you, you know you come in one day and something's happened and then you hear yourself complaining you're like man why am i why am i complaining about that yeah it's not perfect but it ain't it's not the end of the world either right what are we doing and uh uh just try to surround yourself with uh positive uh positive people right i know i know we're a bunch of salty old grumpy assholes but uh but underneath the saltiness we're all generally pretty good so just just try to try to pull out the good and in your shop if it is a bunch of negativity try to combat that with with your own positive outlook on things you know right. and I'll refer back to my it can only last for twelve hours right and right. Then so, and then find so, the silver lining right exactly and then sometimes you know like you got to kind of outsource some of your mentorship right I'll, I'll say mentorship along with building your tribe because. Uh, sometimes, you know, like the individuals that you're around, you know, they've been salty. This is all they know, or this is kind of like they've, they've, uh, they're on the acceptance stage of depression or grievance, you know? And so sometimes you got to kind of outsource that to help pull you out of that mindset. And then in, in all hopes that you absorbing that positivity distributes itself and becomes contagious around those around you. So like they store, they, they may not be in the black negative, but now they're more like a a light shade of gray. So, you know, they're still in their acceptance level of grievance, but they're a more of a brighter side, so to say. Right. And their outlook is a lot better than how they were before all of it. So, uh, and then surrounding yourself with people who, who you want to be a part of, it kind of gives you that aspiration to be, to excel and be better. Right. And you actually have some people who would challenge you to do the same, uh, like finding that one mentor on the line who just ha- who's, who keeps information like a steel trap or someone who's really good at uh, safety wire, like can do this blindfolded upside down and backwards stuff like that. Right. Like those are the ones you kind of want to hang around with to help uh, propel yourself as far as a professional is concerned. And some of these might even uh, translate to your personal life. They become like professional friends, become personal friends as well, right? That's the kind of people you want to surround yourself with, not just the ones who like, you kind of have to suck it up and suffer through it at work and then you leave and then you kind of have to like just deal with this void that you've dug for yourself into your personal life. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting. You mentioned, you know, making a work friend, a personal friend. And I'm thinking back to, um, you know, past, past coworkers and stuff who I'm still friends, you know, with to this day. And some of those people who are talking about being salty individuals and disgruntled all the time and always negative. And you say, well, how did you become friends with them? And, and because 
like six said, uh, they can, they have this one particular skill set. So surround yourself with them. And I, I recognize this one individual was composites. And I was like, this guy, this guy could weigh out resin and hardener just by holding it. And it would be perfect every time, you know, cause he has such experience. I mean, he had to weigh it out. He knew that he knew lips. He knew how, you know, to, to resin wipe. Uh, uh, and get the most uh, penetration with the resin, the layups, and how how you should start at this end and work this way, depending on what the layup was. And so I, I started just kind of following that individual around. Hey, teach me, teach me. I'll run the table for you. I'll do the I'll do the grunt work, right? I'll do the I'll do some of the mixing. I'll go grab all the stuff. I'll lay out the stuff on the table. I'll make the cuts and I'll hand them up to you, and you just do the layups. And so that individual. We became friends because because I I cared and, and here's where I'm going with that. They were salty because all the people coming to the workforce didn't give a shit. They just show up, didn't want to learn anything new, just wanted to whatever. And so this person's here going, they're getting frustrated. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm senior in the shop, but I'm still doing this work. But nobody nobody is willing to try to learn anything. So then they get angry. Right, because they genuinely care about what they do, and then here along comes somebody that shows general interest, and they're like, "Oh my God, it's a unicorn!" You know what I mean? Right. And I think that, and and, and what that one particular instance with the scenario I just gave, that was the case. He was angry because nobody uh, nobody gave a shit, and he was very very passionate about doing the best work. Like if he was signing his name to it. It had to be pristine. And if you were working with him and he was going to get second signature, your work had to be pristine. So for your work to be to his level, you better learn it from him. And, and that was the situation. But yeah, just, oh, I bet you'll find that, you know, everybody listening in your shops, some of the most disgruntled people are just because nobody's willing to put forth the effort to get to the level that they're at. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, they get, it's easy to get down because you're going, why am I trying so hard? I'm trying so hard and I'm doing this, all this awesome stuff, but also my work's dependent upon these other people and they could care less. And it's just, it's, it's maddening. Yeah, most definitely. And you're absolutely right. Like uh, I've, I've fought, fell into that hole myself. Like whatever it is, even if like new people come like, whatever, man, like here's your, here's your bare minimums. Here's the, here's your two dudes. Just stay out of my way. Right. Because you've, you've already conditioned yourself that no one's going to help anyway. So you might as well figure out how to do it yourself. But it's that kind of mentality that just like, it creeps up on you. So, uh, surrounding yourself with tribe members, or at least being willing to break that barrier. It really, it, it in the long run, it can really, so it can, unravel some uh stuff that's been buried underneath that they've just been wanting to do but it's just been pushed so far down you know what I mean? as mvp has mentioned so uh, this was actually really fun we love hearing this kind of feedback and this is the stuff we encourage please tell us more of this stuff we the, these are the things that we love to pass on i mean some of this might be common knowledge to a lot of people depending on where your outfit is but for some individuals like maybe they've heard it a different way or maybe they're not being treated that way or they're brand new very green don't know what to expect this is the kind of stuff that uh needs to disperse and trickle down and and whatnot because uh 
it's becoming more apparent that aviation is slowly aging itself out. You know what I mean? What I mean by that is like a lot of the specialties, a lot of the masters, a lot of the guys who guys and girls who have the knowledge, they're not being replaced by new enthusiastic people who want to learn and absorb it and take over, so to speak. Right. It's And it's not because they're not talented individuals or trying to say, you know, well, this younger generation just ain't worth a damn. I'm not trying to be, you know, an old boomer here, but I think it's just a different, a different dynamic. Now it's a different field. Everything's electronic. A lot of the handheld, you know, skill sets of, of the old masters um, is becoming a dying art form, right? Yep. Look at safety, safety wiring. A lot of it's being replaced with safety cable. Uh, for those of you who don't know what safety cable is, it's a strand of braided wire that you run between two pieces of hardware and then it gets crimped with a, a special crimp, you know, calibrated, uh, I call it a gun is what it looks like, but it, you know, safety cables. So getting your twist, you know, the right amount of twist per inch and your Z pattern with no kinks and everything else. Like it's just, it's just, uh, a different, different ball game now. Right. But, but like, you know, don't, don't let those old skill sets go the way of a cobbler either. Yep. Uh, for those of you who don't know what a cobbler is, it's a shoe repair person, <laughs> you know, that's how I'll date, you know, that's how gone with the wind a cobbler is. That That is a, that is a near dead art. Right. Um, and we actually, so, so, so pick it up from the old timers, you know, uh, learn those, those things just like handwriting, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, what do I need to have a good handwriting for? Everything's digitized. Yeah, but geez, what a, you can't let it die off either. That's, you know, that's pertinent. And, and someday when we have the, uh, when the solar flares get wide enough and, uh, we get a solar, the earth gets a solar blast and all of our electronics collapse, you know, right. And we turn into what's that movie of Denzel Washington where he was blind and he memorized the Bible and Braille. Oh yeah, uh, the book of Eli, you know, yeah. uh, and the person has to handwrite it down as he's telling. I mean, that's what we're going to be left with. <laughs> and look at me over dramatizing everything today, but 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 for real, like like come on, it's it's uh it's our most you know not not the most ancient form of communication, but it's 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 right there with it, you know, right. And uh, there's other organizations out there who've actually do it, making it a, a mission to like re- reinvigorate the various types of skill sets and trades. Uh, th- there's many out there. I can't list them all, but one of them prominently that's that's out there is like Tech Force. Uh, granted, it's mostly it's it focuses a lot on like tools, like automotive and marine and and motorcycle stuff. But they're branching off into other things like collision and aviation and welding. These are all big, big skill sets that we kind of take for granted. You see, even blacksmithing is is being taken for granted because you know, like uh, uh, additive manufacturing and all that other stuff have kind of sort of taken control of the game. But well, our it's our it's our, and it's our it's our again it's back to our society too, right? Mm-hmm. Faster, faster, less time equals more money. Um, look, I'll use my woodworking as an example. I've been building furniture and stuff. I could go, and then I went into the store to go buy more stain. And when I was walking through, they had a metal rack there in the big box store. 
that was five racks high and it was 60 inches, you know, long and, uh, could hold up to 10,000 pounds. And it was for 250 bucks. And that was less than what I spent on material to build the furniture I have. Now you can say, why would you do that MVP? Well, to me, it's a little bit of work therapy, right? It's, uh, it keeps the mind sharp, but it's not. I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's, it's satisfying work for me to do. But that's that culture, like Six just said. It's, it's the consumer culture, right? We, why go, why, why be a craftsman? We don't have craftsmen anymore. Why be a craftsman when everything's just mass produced and cheaper? Um, I think that's, that's part of the issue too. I agree. Right. We don't, we don't, how, how many of you, how many of you, no kidding, take a component out, break it apart on a bench, troubleshooting, fix it and put it back together. Uh, including myself, I bet you, uh, and I'm not even part of that group either. Um, because it's, it's, it's that, that side of our industry is going away because it's just faster and cheaper to replace a box. Mm-hmm. Go pull a new one off the shelf and throw it in there, test it and get it back in the air. Right. Send that other one back to the manufacturer. They can, it's their problem. Right. Um, so, so we're losing those, those critical troubleshooting and fixing skills, you know? Right. Uh, I'm not telling you all that to get discouraged. It's just how our industry is changing. It's how our field's changing. Mm-hmm. And these new people coming in, it's not their fault. They're a product of the, the industry they're stepping into. But if you do have that interest, go find the old timer and, hey, what can you show me? Right. And, and, and you, okay, you might not use that skill every day, but there is going to be that one day it's needed and you're going to be there and you're going to have, you're going to have the ability to take care of it. But think about how many, how many of you out there have had to tell your significant other, uh, uh, you know, you had to sell them on a tool you just spent $500 on. <laughs> well, well, I, you know, I'm not going to, how, how are you going to use it? That's what they say. How are you going to use this? Well, not, not every day. But when I need it, I'll have it and then it'll be worth its while. And I did that with, I did that with Kool-Aid and then there was something happened in the house and something broke and there was a specialty tool we needed for. I think it was like a, a specialty, uh, uh, valve pulling tool for like your, uh, shower, your yep. shower handles. Yep. And so we had one in the, in the kid's restroom that broke and it was leaking water pretty bad. And I had the tool on hand. I bought it five years ago, used it for when I needed it. It's been hanging on the wall in the garage ever since, but I had it there to replace it and got it done within, you know, 20 minutes. And, and th- that was, it, it was showed her at that point. Oh, okay. I get what you're saying now. Like, so now I really don't get questioned when I buy tools. Like if you're buying it, you must have a need for it. Cause I don't just go buy random willy nilly stuff. So it's one of those. Okay, well, if you need it, you must, you know, must be a purpose behind it, and it'll, it'll pay for itself. Right, most definitely. And uh, again, with these, a lot of these uh, skill sets that are fading, it's, it's definitely one of those we need to preserve, or at least find some type of method where its application can be used for future needs. Because we, it's, it's one of those things like you don't realize it until you don't realize it's fundamental until it, it's not, it's gone. You know what I mean? So. But hey, let us know what you guys think. Like, uh, what sort of what sort of top things that you feel aircraft mechanics need to know that we haven't covered already? What's some of the unique things that you feel 
that you've discovered in your career that most people don't uh, readily know or uh, are not keyed on knowing? And then what sort of what sort of skill sets do you feel like that we need to preserve or the ones that you feel like uh, need to get have an emphasis again? so to speak. Uh, let us know in the comments. Let us know on our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, and so forth. Our website or our email. The absolute best way to get a hold of us is through Discord via our Patreon. We have all sorts of conversations like this on the reg. This is where we learn a bunch of stuff, like, for instance, FTN. And this yeah, is- thanks again for whoever uh, threw that one out there. I yep. learned something new today. Most definitely. <laughs> definitely. Thank you for that. And again, like this is the kind of conversations we like having. We like giving this feedback, uh, pretty much like reaching across the timeline to preserve these type of skills. And again, like if you're one of those individuals who are new, who want to get into a trade or want to at least enhance your trade, there's many different uh, organizations, nonprofits and initiatives out there that can help you get this going. And sometimes it just t- it just takes pulling the ear of a finding a mentor, pulling his ear, and, and just take, getting taken under their wing. Uh, that note, hey, we thank you all again for listening, and we'll see you all on the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. We would like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to make episodes, maintain our gear, and create merch for all of our listeners. With special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins. Eric Shaw, Dan Schubert, Ryan Frushauer, Kyle Keir, Mike Sherwood, Caleb Stockhill, and Jennifer Brofer. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. If you like our show, please support us on Patreon. You'll receive awesome perks like access to our private Discord, discounts and early access to our merch, first glimpse of our comics and other projects, and so much more. You can further support us and show off your prowess as an aircraft specialist by visiting our shop at cancelformaintenance.com. If you like classy or rugged watches, visit our affiliate Rockwell Time at rockwelltime.com. Use the code CX, the number 4MX, to save 10% off your total order. If you have suggestions for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, send us a line on our contact us section at cancelformaintenance.com and we'll do what we can to get both your ideas and yourself on the show. Please support us on social media like Facebook at Cancel for Maintenance, Instagram at C-A-N-X for Maintenance Podcast, or Twitter at C-X-M-X Podcast. Please check out our new comic series on the Tapas app. Like, share, subscribe, and comment on our comics. Let us know what you think. Thank you all so much for your support and listenership, and we will catch you all next time.